0: Hello, and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run, and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional, but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next, or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR Consultancy for Startups, Fallowfield and Mason. This episode, we hear from Stephanie Melodia, founder of Bloom, an award-winning marketing agency for tech scale-ups. Since starting her business in 2017, Stephanie has been named one of the UK's top 20 most influential female founders. Stephanie talks about her motivation for starting a business, balancing ambition with enjoyment of your work, and shares important advice on creating a business proposal and pitching to VCs. Hi, Steph. Thank you so much for joining How to start up today. It would be great if you could start with a brief introduction as to who you are and a bit about the business that you started.
1: Absolutely. My name is Stephanie Melodia, and I'm the founder of Bloom, an award winning marketing agency for tech scale ups.
0: Amazing. When did you start Bloom? 24th of
1: November 2017. <laughs> <laughs> That's be five years this year.
0: Oh, congratulations! And I love the fact you remember exact date. I'm I'm the same. It was the second of April because I figured the first of April probably wouldn't be a good look. And what was the first thing you did when you started your business? Step number one
1: was buying a laptop. That was really the bulk of my investment of starting up the company (laughs) to get started. Accountant, get the company incorporated, and on the blower and getting out there and trying to win new business. I didn't steal any other clients from previous agencies. I didn't have contracts lined up. I didn't do the dirty. Just real good, old fashioned. Hustle to get it
0: going. And why did you start? Did you have a burning passion to do it, or did you just wake up one morning and go right today's the day?
1: I didn't just wake up one morning. I wanted to do my own thing. I just wanted to build something that was my own. And after seeing how others run their businesses, I was actually even more motivated by people who I didn't actually admire. I think you can learn a lot from people that you look up to, but I think you can learn even more from yeah. those that you don't. So I thought, if these guys can do it, then I definitely can. I just wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> it was the first thing. Yeah, and Here I am nearly five years later, and and I'm still seeing if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's never a dull moment. I find that really interesting, in fact, that don't always look to the people you admire, look to the people who might not be doing it the right way. What particular things would you have pulled from Mm. those people and gone, right, I'm definitely not doing that?
1: There's a whole mixture. I think just really it boils down to ethical business, just in terms of doing business with good people in the right way and just treating others, whether it's partners, team members, clients, with the respect that you would only want to have yourself
0: that do as you would be done by that transparency i think is so key and i don't know if you've seen this given that you started pre-pandemic got through the pandemic and now hopefully out the other side i feel like in the last year year and a half people have really set their stand to say there is no other way than ethical practice and sustainability falls in under that transparency falls in under that have you seen a shift in business behavior in the last couple of years
1: Yeah, definitely. And I actually think really the internet and open source economy is what's given way to that more than anything obviously accelerated by the pandemic because everyone was just at home and the only way of connecting with each other was virtually was online but I think really that is what's accelerated that move for transparency because it is all so much more open today everything is online it is easy to find information it's easy to stalk other people and find out what's going on so it is it is inevitable now
0: yeah and I think it's a double approach in the sense that you have to do it because people will it whether you like it or not but people really want to do it as well and on that I wanted to ask you with your business what does success look like to you in running a company?
1: Success to me personally is I'm sure all your other podcast guests say the same but it isn't about the typical kind of fast cars money and all the rest of it it's what money in particular enables you to do for me it comes down to freedom and flexibility so if I've got the freedom to run my day freedom of time as well as freedom of location and do what I want where I want that's the ultimate goal and I think it's really interesting to think about when people are towards the end of their career in the traditional sense and you've got that classic story about working like a dog and getting to retirement age to do the stuff that you could be enjoying now so it's kind of chasing someone else's dream for the stuff that you could be doing sooner and enjoying while you're younger and you've still got the energy I think it's just about remembering not chasing other other people's version of success, or whatever other people's definition is of it.
0: That's really hit home with me in the sense that I've always loved travelling and now I can work remotely. I can go off for a couple of months if I want and carry on working really, really hard, but duck out for a surf, go for a swim, hike something and have that work life balance. And are there methods that you've gone through to find out what that success looks like in terms of the non revenue ways of working?
1: It's interesting because my experience. Uh, we've had some really successful times at Bloom depending on you know your metric of success and what I mean by that is you know we've had crazy revenue months we've made lots of money and we've kind of been super busy and too much work to handle and lots coming in and high profits and everything else and those have actually been my worst moments those have been my lowest days the darkest days so it's funny where it's like it helps it's we all need money of course but I think there definitely is if you've got enough to to live to be happy, then I think any more than that is just you're constantly... It's a tricky one because it's balancing that ambition and striving for more and wanting to take yourself and your business to the next level, whilst also retaining a mindfulness and enjoyment of that present moment as well, and being able to be
0: content with what you've currently got. For me, it was that bar chart of obviously revenue is one of the bars, but then are the team happy? Am I happy? Have I had time to cook a healthy meal? Have I had enough sleep? There's other things on that bar chart that are as important, but they all need to be in the mix you can't just focus on one and going back to that moment where you said you've got great revenue months and any new founder would hear that and go oh my god that's success that's amazing she's made it absolutely what was it about those months that that made them the lowest if you don't mind me asking
1: in just the stress it can be too fast to cope sometimes so I think if if you've got the frameworks and the structure and you've got those again systems and processes to be able to cope with it and then it does make it a lot easier to have handle that growth the real challenge and you know where that's so much easier said than done is the timing of things and getting it all to line up in terms of talent that's in the market at any one particular time interview processes notice periods they all they will take a while obviously we're operating in the startup world so that moves extremely quickly so you want to be careful about what you say yes and no to you want to take on certain things you want to especially if you've got a bit of an entrepreneurial streak as well right like you want to say yes and figure it out after but as the old saying goes a business plan never survives first contact with its customers it's a no regrets kind of philosophy in terms of doing the best that you can with the tools and resources in that particular moment
0: yeah and every single guest has said, get a good accountant and be okay with a roller
1: coaster. The resilience to cope with the roller coaster, you've got to stomach it and it is tough and it can be a lonely place. If you are a solo founder as well, you experience the highest highs and the lowest lows, that roller coaster. So, oh, you know, the grass is always greener. It's very easy to look at. I'll oh, just get a job and I'll get you know, I'll just somebody else can pay my bills. And I know, I've got a pay slip coming in every month. And I know what I'm earning, I can just book my holidays and, and go away and sit on a beach. And it's not my business, I don't need to worry about it. But it's not the reality, employees are looking at the self employed and business owners with equally envious eyes as well so you've got to take the best from your own situation.
0: Is there anything that you know now that you would have really benefited from knowing when you started?
1: The number one thing that comes to mind for me is delegating. I think you can read as many books as you can listen to as many different podcasts but actually putting it into practice and having that mindset shift and actually employing these new things that you've learned. I was knew the stuff you know I know I know the theory I know read about it I've heard enough of the stories I know that you can't do it all on your own and you need to divide and conquer and have a great team around you but the reality of how you've been wired how you've worked for your entire career today that's not going to simply change overnight so I cut myself some slack you cut my past self some slack we're always trying to do better we're constantly improving but yeah that would be the number one thing I think I'm such a self-starter and I'm such a doer, and. I do take on too much myself. And even now, you know, I still need to remind myself my to-do list doesn't just need to sit with me. It doesn't need to all be on my desk. What's the best piece of advice that you have for managing, say, clients or teams or suppliers? Understand yourself well enough to leverage those strengths and just be aware of, of your weaknesses as blind spots so that you can just really leverage your position in the game in relation to everybody
0: else. Brilliant. Given that time is the most precious resource, how do you find the time to do it all? Because you are doing so many different things. You're also very successfully, and this is obviously what our business does, help other businesses do their own PR and communications. You are out there, your social media is really strong, you're doing your marketing, obviously, because that's your forte. Um how do you find the time? I've kind of found what works best for me
1: and I'm reading a really interesting book at the moment called My Morning Routines and literally every single story is they get up at 5am, 6am they start their day and and it's kind of what works you were talking about going for a run earlier and like it's all about kind of what works best for you it all stems back to that self-awareness point are you more of a morning person is that your state of flow is that when you want to be off emails and just block out the morning to do that deep work if you're anything like me you're a bit brain dead in the morning so just kind of do the simple stuff know when you're kind of at your best and use that time and I think and then kind of being boundaried with that I think it's one thing to understand okay this is who I am this is how I best operate but it's then being confident enough with communicating that with others and sticking to that as well, because otherwise it's very easy, especially if you've got a people pleaser in you, which I think most of us have. It's very easy to try and adapt that to other people, clients, team members. So yeah, understanding yourself to get the best out of each day, I guess.
0: And so with efficiencies, how have you found efficiencies with making those boundaries more firm?
1: I block it out in my calendar. So I think the step number one is A, that self-awareness. Secondly, it's then... you. Know, taking action on that so literally putting something in place to implement that boundary so for me I kind of put that block that out in my calendar I think once you've decided it to yourself I think it's that pre that pre-planning to say I'm not taking any meetings before 10am or midday or whatever or after 3pm if you're again an early bird deciding that being clear about that with yourself you know if you don't want to be honest about it you can just say you've got another meeting <laughs>
0: I used to be like I've got a meeting it's with my pillow so I know but I'm loving the fact now that I'm like, I'll just tell you exactly what's in my head. It's like, no, that's not an option. (laughs) And I had a client say, well, I know you're taking Friday off, but can you have a quick call? I'm like, this is the first day off in two years. No. And she's like, okay, we'll find another time.
1: <laughs> yeah, what's super interesting about that as well is I think possibly, whether it is more so with women potentially without being too gendered about it, but I think if there is that people pleaser in mm. you again, regardless of gender, it's easy to want to feel that you have to justify that. Like you've just said there with like, what well, my first day off in two years? The justification, especially we both work with clients, we both have these kind of consultancy agency style models. What others need to realise is that these boundaries and these things that you're doing that you're putting in place is not to be self-indulgent or selfish it's to genuinely show up as your best self to provide as you say you know you feel your best you operate at your best but as far as the client is concerned to provide the best quality of work to them so you yeah, know whether it is clients or bosses or whoever else that you've got a responsibility towards you can pose it as I mean not to directly ask them this so literally but it's thinking about it like would you rather take a call if few hours later or a day later or even you know a week later and get 10 times better results than me trying to bend to Mm. your will and getting whatever kind of watered down version that I'm
0: available to do at that point. And then as you said justification you don't actually need to give a reason why and I learned this when I started realising I didn't like to go to baby showers I really didn't like going to hen parties and people go oh can you come to this hen party I'm like no I'm not free and I didn't say anything more and they're like (laughs) okay they don't need to know that I'm just not free. Free because I don't want to go, and that is fine. It's
1: hard to do, you know. All of this is a lot easier said than done, right? Yeah. So it takes that practice. Yeah, I still, you know, I highly, highly value manners and politeness and professionalism. But I wouldn't ever want to come across rude or flippant or ungrateful. So I think there's ways to make sure that. Yeah, you word it. Yeah, we both mm. work in communications in some form or another, right? Mm. So I think it's thank you so much. Like count me in next time, or no, I can't. Yeah. But have a great time, kind of thing. So you always have this positive spin to it as well.
0: Exactly. In pitching for new business, you're obviously working with clients, and you are tried and tested at this. Do you have any advice for a new founder who will have to potentially go after new business for the first time?
1: In sales, in whichever form they take, whether it's clients and agencies. Or even in relationships, if you're trying to get a new partner and whatever kind of form that that kind of sales takes, it boils down to power dynamics. And in client and agency relationships in particular, you have got this very unspoken power dynamic in favor of the client more often than not, right? Like nine times out of ten. Would you agree? So, like when you speak to clients where you're pitching, It's like you're the one pitching for the work and they've got the power because they're the
0: client, right? Well, they're the ones with the purse strings. But I've tried to shift it around to be like, we're your partner. We're not subservient. Mm. And we try and position it as like, we are here to help your business Mm. and you will pay us for that service. So I've had to very quickly work that one out Mm. because they need to respect our consulting, Mm. ultimately. Otherwise, what's the point? But how have you conquered this?
1: Well, very similarly, exactly as you say, it is, of course, a collaborative process. I'm super fascinated by human psychology, of course, working in marketing and understanding humans as well as we possibly can. Such complex creatures to, again, leverage that for success. And that comes into the sales equation as well, right? So, yes, you're right. Clients have got the purse string holders. Same if startups are looking to get funding, investors have got money, but There's more money in the world than there is you, and you know your talent and your ideas and your expertise. And that's not to sound arrogant, even though it can come out that way. But it is again shifting a bit of that mindset with that power dynamic. So yes, it is collaborative, especially if you do work on a consultancy sort of level and you're advising clients, and they've come to you because you're the expert. But even broadly speaking, again, if you're a startup speaking to investors or anything else, it is remembering your own value, remembering well we've got the strategies we've got all this experience we've got the contacts the connections we know how to unlock this next level of growth for you or, or whatever it is that you want to achieve
0: yeah so being confident in your approach but going in with this is who we are this is what we do this is how we can support your business and being clear about that and on that when you're approached with a business proposal what aspects do you consider the most important? Uh, Do you have any tips and tricks around putting one of those together for someone?
1: The most important aspect to a business is the founder themselves. I would actually argue that the entrepreneur at the helm is more important than the actual business idea, than the actual value proposition.
0: I would agree because they're the ones that have to carry it through and they are the ones that will believe till the cows come home that this business is viable and they have that deep burning passion in them that will make it happen. And I think without that, the business idea is just going disappear you need the human aspect to obviously do anything but you need that blind belief in the founder that is just so at their core and they will push and push and push and push and push in the best possible way because they are so deeply passionate about it but they also have to be able to communicate their business and this is what I find really interesting and why I'm so excited about what we do because a lot of people put their heads down and go I've got the best business idea ever. I'm going to work on it and make it completely perfect. And I'm just not going to tell anyone, oh, I'm I'm launching tomorrow. Like too late. You need to have done this six months ago. Like what's your vision and mission and your brand tone? And it's pulling them out of the weeds because they are so passionate. They are fully in the weeds most of the time. You're totally right. And it's so
1: funny you say that because literally just yesterday was my day of kind of new business calls. And it was Zoom after Zoom, meeting after meeting, talking to new people, new founders, new entrepreneurs. And you have that, stark contrast when you're jumping from call to call as well Mm. and communication it's such an essential skill that we all need so it is really funny because you can divorce the business concept and the founder itself so There was someone who was talking about their business idea, but I just couldn't stay engaged. I just couldn't stay interested just because I couldn't really hear them. It was very monotonous. I know it sounds harsh and it's super horrible, but the reality is, is that communication is that essential foundation for sales and everything else. So whether, again, you're talking to your team members or partners or investors or clients, you need to be able to communicate yeah. what you do. And that is, you know, a very basic level is having an engaging voice and being audible and that energy and everything that yeah. comes across. And then you've got how are you articulating? What are the compelling messages? And then you've got the story that you can wrap around and how you can bring people along on the journey and the narrative and everything else.
0: Being able to describe your business in one breath. It's not an elevated pitch. It's one breath breath if you can get it and to your grandmother who doesn't know anything about Mm. tech or startup world or anything like that be able to Mm. get someone else to understand in one breath what you're doing and they look at you and they look excited then you've nailed it
1: exactly (laughs) that's a great litmus test
0: yeah absolutely do you have advice in terms of female founders looking to raise VC, especially around tech? And can you expand a little bit more on feminism 5.0?
1: Answering the first question around female founders looking to get investment. This isn't a genetic thing that's correlated to the chromosome with which we were born. It's to do with our social conditioning in that we have been brought up to generally be more kind of people pleasing. And there's a lot of information that we are constantly taking in. So women, in, in general we do tend to be much more self-aware much more aware of everything that's going on around us we're highly empathetic generally obviously this is sweeping generalization and we pick up on a lot of other cues whether it's the tiniest most minimal of micro facial expressions or body language there's a lot of information that's on kind of women's radars again kind of generally speaking which can be like everything can be leveraged it can be used into your favor as a strength but where it can come in as a weakness especially when you're in a high pressure environment like pitching to vcs is that that information can be distracting so whether you are pitching on a zoom or whether you're in person or whatever situation because it's so high pressure you're asking people for other money it's uncomfortable you're not feeling your most relaxed your best anyway so you're really picking up on all of these things that generally speaking again your male counterparts wouldn't even be registering so it can be distracting if you see someone that you know you've got like resting bitch face for example or someone's just relaxed or you know the faces that we that we just naturally kind of fall into and we're just listening and paying attention can look like we're cropped but it's not it's just kind of how our face is, is relaxing so I guess one piece of advice with that with female founders in those high pressure environments is to do what you can to ignore that to like stay focused. Take a bit of that advice as well from what I was saying before with remembering that power dynamic as well. So yes, you are asking for money. Yes, you are pitching for your business. It's a very vulnerable situation, but just shift that power dynamic again. Remember, there's lots of money out there. There's lots of VCs. All they've got to give you is money, but what you have is your business and your unique value proposition, which is special to you and only you. And then the second question around feminism 5.0 is the fifth wave of feminism that I am kind of propagating, which is actually spotlighting the men instead of the women. So I am a child of the 90s. I grew up with Spice Girls. I'm all about girl power. I'm a huge feminist. I've got a younger sister. I'm all about the sisterhood. For sure, that goes without saying. But what's happened is, is that the first wave of feminism, we had the suffragettes that got us the vote. But the second, third, we're currently living through the four. And so now this is where I'm looking at this fifth wave of feminism, which is about male allyship and actually getting the men to be feeling more comfortable, more informed, more empowered to actively take part in these conversations that so far, you know, I think the women have created these echo chambers for ourselves a little bit. We've got these private members clubs, for example, these private communities that are women only. It's kind of doing... It's exclusive in another way it's not diversity and inclusion, it's diversity and exclusion. So bringing men into that a little bit more is is what I think is kind of what it takes now to achieve gender equality.
0: And are there things men can do in the workplace that are sort of obvious to you potentially but they might be unaware that they can do to support women in tech.
1: You know I really do empathise with the guys a lot because the first answer that I want to give you is to is to speak up on behalf of women right and and if they've heard a woman share an idea and then a man repeats the exact same thing and it's the man's voice that everyone else is listening to for somebody else to realise and say oh actually that was Sarah's idea yeah. or whatever can be very helpful but I do empathise because because men don't want to perpetuate that alpha male kind of oh okay i need to you know be the the rescuer like the damsel in distress but it mm. is a tricky one i think there are things that men can do i think speaking up for women and just kind of flying the flag as well like if there aren't any women around the table or if there's a female-owned business that you think could benefit from something send referrals their way i think just check yourself as well i think it's just kind of in these different situations if it's a male-only conversation and they're talking about other women or the way that their banter goes down or just these kind of different situations just kind of check yourself and just kind of remember that actually you'll come off better if you help us as well as yourself because we all win
0: (laughs) and we're not there yet we'll get there but we're not there yet
1: yeah it's, I think it's 135 years according to the World oh, Economic great. Forum to achieve gender equality so that's the thing it's not even in our lifetimes so
0: yeah I have a massive issue with International Women's Day and my friend's like no it's good it's like what one day we're allowed one day a year surely it's every day and I, I put a post up <laughs> saying around all the podcast guests who'd been women I said brilliant every day of the year yeah. not just today."
1: Yeah, exactly. there is an International Men's Day by the way
0: oh great yeah
1: but it's not the no <laughs> well, one that right so it's like and that's where all of these things point to how we're not there yet it is it is interesting and maybe this is a Sep three hour podcast that we can do all the time but it is it's very nuanced I definitely see both sides of the coin the international women's day thing as well I do a lot around international women's day and I actually had a light bulb moment this past one this year where it was so so busy there was so much going on I was speaking on panels I was putting on events on top of everything else that I had to do and I remember rushing between meetings and I just thought I do love it. I'm very grateful for all of this. It's a cause that I strongly believe in, but it's a little bit like, I don't even know if I've got a choice with all of this. It's like, oh, all of this has kind of been put on me. And it made me realise that it's almost, it's not bad enough that we're the victims of the injustice. But we are also burdened to carry the weight of the fight as well. I think that's what I mean when I talk about male allyship is not bad enough that we're already suffering from all of the gender gaps, the pay gap, the funding gap, all the rest of it. But Mm. we're also the ones having to fight for that. (laughs) So it's just tiring at this point. Like,
0: Yeah and are there any last golden nugget pieces of advice you'd like to offer a new founder
1: just go for it don't listen to anybody else don't even listen to me just go for it go full in head first give it your best shot you can only do the best that you can do with the tools and resources and things that you've got learn from it test learn optimize and don't listen to anyone else's advice along the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) brilliant thank you so much steph it's been wonderful to have you on startup thank you for having me If you'd like to contact Stephanie, you can find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How To Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe, as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.